0: Hello listeners, my name is Raj Singhal, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Investment Stereotypes. This episode is brought to you by Multiply.co, where we believe that investing is an ignored life skill. Our mission is to create a platform where people can come, learn, share, and collaborate through the right tools. Ultimately, we want your hard-earned money to work for you. Here at Breaking Investment Stereotypes, my job is to deconstruct world-class investors or wealth managers and deep dive into their investing journey professionally, personally, or both. I want to give a little guidance on how to use the shows. None of the following should be treated as investment advice. Please see multiply.co slash disclosures for more information. My guest for today is Vishal Khandelwal. Vishal is the founder of safalniveshak.com, an initiative to help people learn the art of value investing and behavioral finance to be able to make better investment decisions. The site which he started in 2011 is subscribed by more than 90,000 readers and has been ranked among the best value investing blogs worldwide. Vishal is also the author of the Sketchbook of Wisdom, which is packed with 50 timeless ideas from the wisest people who have walked this earth. Vishal calls it a manual on virtue, happiness, and the pursuit of wealth and good life. The book is just a treat. I've read it and found it very valuable. And I've asked my two daughters who are 22 and 17 to read it as well. So without further ado, please welcome Vishal Kandelwal. Hi Vishal, thank you for being on the show.
1: Hi Raj, uh, thanks for this opportunity.
0: So first of all, you know, many congratulations on Safal Nivesha completing 10 years. You've really built up a strong platform in 10 years where you've been giving back most of your learning. So I want to start with this dialogue, which you have referenced in one of your talk. You know, this is from the movie Anand. Where in the end Rajesh Khanna says to Amitabh Bachan, Babu Moshai, Zindagi badi honi chahiye lambi nahi. Moth ke dar se mein jeena kiyo chhod du. Jeb tak main zinda hun, main mara nahi. Or Jame mein mar gaya, to mein zinda nahi. So if it kis baat ka? You seems to have come to conclusion about this very early in your life. What made you think <laughs> like this, especially in the context of all genesis of Safal Nibeshak and how you see this 10 years? What was it like? What are your top three learnings? What keeps you going? So
1: Safal Nevesh, completed 10 years just yesterday and it seems like a, quite a journey that I have been through in these last 10 years. In hindsight, it looked great, but like foresight uh, 10 years back, it, was, uh, I, it actually looked like a scary journey because I had some basic idea about what I wanted to do in terms of uh, go out and tell people or teach people how not to lose their money in stock markets investing because I had been an analyst in an independent research company for the previous eight years before I started Safal Niveshak. and I'd seen a lot of people uh, in family, uh, distant relatives, a lot of people who uh, took advice and a lot of friends, brokers, right? Lose a lot of money in the 2008 crash. So that was actually a turning point for me as far as the mindset of being an investor, analyst, or a teacher is concerned. So that taught me a lot of lessons that we are not, we as analysts are not masters of the universe that we claim to be, right? Especially in bull markets. And there has to be a better way of earning your living than just recommending stocks to unknown people. So uh, that got really, really got me think that actually was the genesis of the idea of Safar Niveshak that was in 2008. But uh, since I've 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 talked about this on my blog as well, I had a financial liability, a home loan, so I had to repay that off because I, I couldn't have couldn't have uh, decided to quit my job without uh, uh, with a financial liability on my head uh, head and and with a family to take care of. That was like late 2010 when I with all my savings investments, uh, thanks to the 2008, I completely uh, paid off my liability, and the day I paid off my last a uh, bit of uh, liability in terms of rupees i, I just uh, offered my resignation uh, as i mentioned i knew that uh, i had to uh, go out and teach people how not to lose their hard earned money but uh, there was no clarity in terms of what exactly uh, was that that i wanted to do how would how would i uh, be able to earn money why would people pay me uh, to teach them how not to lose their money when everyone wants to understand the secrets of making money in stock markets right so and also because there are more takers for uh, advice on trading than on long term slow uh, value investing so i remember there were not many People who were writing on value investing, there were like a few of them and not very active. So uh, I thought that was an opportunity uh, to uh, really go out, uh, meet people, uh, teach people like me how not to lose their money. So that is the genesis of self-animation. In terms of learnings so of the last uh, 10 years, there have been multiple learnings, but then uh, there are a few which actually uh, stand out and that have, that have really helped me in crossing this 10-year barrier. The first is uh, that people are kind. So uh, as I mentioned, I had no clear idea about how would I earn my bread? How would I uh, take care of my family as far as financials are concerned, right? I remember when when I quit my job and just immediately after that, a uh, son was born, he was premature and we had to spend a lot of money. Almost like 25-30% of my savings uh, were gone into hospitalization, all those expenses. So there was a momentary thought of going back, but then I decided there was no plan B. This is it that I wanted to do in life. Or, or we'll think of something else in the future, but I have to give Safar Niveshak some time, right? So I, I completely uh, uh, put my faith on trust uh, uh, on, on the universe and just uh, went out uh, completely. And, and people uh, came out to be very kind or kinder than what I would have thought. So uh, I remember when I uh, uh, started uh, monetizing Safar Niveshak for the first time, that was in 2012. So almost a year after I started Safar Niveshak, when I was completely writing blogs, which are all free on the website in 2012 uh, uh, i started uh, with my workshops initially workshops and they were priced at 0 to 5000 so i had no fixed price on them i i just thought that uh, since this is the first time i'm going out and people i'm i'm not really i don't like taking money from people so let me uh, let let them decide what they want to pay me rather than me fixing a price and and giving them uh, a fixed a f- a fixed deal, and uh, uh, to my surprise, actually, uh, uh, I was ma- I, I managed to cover the cost of my workshops. Though so I, I I played very cheap that time in terms of cheap locations, not cheap in the sense, of bad location, but yeah, uh, someone's a friend offered me a place to uh, conduct my workshops. They offered free food as well or a subsidized food as well. But uh, people who attended the workshops helped me uh, pay up the cost and make some make some tiny profit. So uh, people are kind over the last ten years. I've I've received so many uh, positive feedback for the kind of work that I am doing, right? Uh, people have uh, subscribed to premium services. They paid money uh, to learn value investing. They have paid for the book as well, which I thought I'm not sure how many people would pay up. So uh, yeah, people have kind, I trusted them and they responded well. So that's the one big lesson. I think second big lesson that has come out is that I never wanted to work for any prestige or status or money or approval alone, right? So of course, if it comes, it it makes you happy, right? Momentary, but that's all momentary happiness. My idea was to just do my work, just uh, put my head down and do work well. And that's exactly what I've done for the last 10 years. In fact, a few years back, I uh, also uncopyrighted Safal Niveshak. Uh, which was the idea that I took from Aaron Schwartz, who was very vociferous about uncopywriting stuff internationally, who had to commit suicide because someone put a blame on him because he was actually trying to make free a lot of information, uh, which should have been in the public domain. So I uncopyrighted uh, Safalni Niveshak, which means anyone can uh, take up any content that I've written and create services, paid services out of that. Of course, credit is appreciated, but it's not really uh, required. So that's something with, that I've learned that, yeah, doing your work is enough. And, and third thing, 10 years uh, statistics tell you that most of the startups or most of the business fail within the first five years in today's world. And 10 years, very few businesses or very few uh, initiatives actually move on uh, for 10 years, which are also able to sustain the person who started it. Anything worthwhile. Uh, And that is a lesson for investing as, as well. Anything worthwhile takes a time. I see people from unknown fields these days talking about stock advice and how to do investing when they have no experience and no background, right? In terms of doing that. And they have, they've got into like millions and millions of subscribers, but that's perfectly fine, right? I 90,000 subscribers after 10 years uh, may look like a big number, but compared to what others are doing, this is not really a big number and perfectly fine with that because I believe in the kind of work that I am doing. And I think uh, the journey is more enjoyable for me than any statistic that Safal Nivesha, any success that Safal Nivesha can achieve in the future. Uh, anybody who
0: reads your book and clearly understand and you know clearly our listeners should be able to make out and they will discover you while doing our talk as well. You're a very evolved person. You're a very conscious person. So you know what you're doing and what you're saying uh, uh, very few people can actually do and say. Sorry, I think that's
1: the biggest perk of being free or or feel liberated. That yeah, you you decide as I mentioned in the post yesterday as well. Right? Liberation yeah. is not just about doing what you want, but also not doing what you don't want to do. Absolutely, so I think that's the biggest perk of doing it all alone. Yeah,
0: I think you also mentioned in your book, right? I mean, life is all about journey. There's no destination. Dance, right? So just enjoy dance, the journey. Dance, yeah, you recently started your you know podcast and it's been amazing one. Uh, it's called The 1% Show and you're getting some great names, right? You know, like Manish Chokhani, Vinod Sethi, uh, Radhika Gupta, Manish Pabrai. What's the uh, logic behind uh, the name?
1: Okay, so uh, the story of 1%, a lot of people have this misconception that 1% means that you're t- talking about the top 1% people in the society or it's meant for those kind of people. That's, that's the concept of 1% globally. But uh, for me, 1% uh, means uh, daily incremental small change that can help you become better over a period of time, right? So uh, uh, James Clear has this wonderful book called Atomic Habits where he's talked about the secret. And of course, this is not a secret. It's been, it's been known for many, many years and decades that if you just try to improve 1% every day, right, over, and you start from, say, one, and you improve one percent every day by the end of 365 days or one year you are like 37 38 times better compared to the starting point right of course uh, it's very difficult to change or improve one percent every day but that's the idea right so the idea one percent podcast is to get deep deeper into the minds of the wisest people around or the achievers who've who've, who've struggled in their lives who've achieved some kind of uh, uh, name fame due to their uh, hard work uh, over years not right like not really shortcuts but over years Right, so get into the minds of those people, learn from them how they have worked through their lives, worked through their careers, and the lessons that they have or they want to uh, uh, share with the with the younger, new generation. Right, because there's so much noise around. amidst so, uh, this, if you can really uh, find out those pearls of wisdom from people who have seen lives, actually lived lives, right, over decades. So I think that was the idea with which I started. I would attribute a lot of uh, this to luck, right? So, uh, and also uh, to my initial discussion with, uh, say, Manish Chokhani. Manish actually has been instrumental in helping me, say, getting connected with Vinod and he's quite been a supporter of this initiative. But yeah, again, uh, it's a a new journey which I've started. I'm not sure how far it will go, but as far it goes, it is good. I'm going to enjoy it, yeah.
0: No, no, I think it's a great one. And, you know, uh, frankly, uh, uh, the people you're getting is really amazing. So I really love your podcast. So as I mentioned, you know, I've read your book, uh, The Sketchbook of Wisdom, and, and really found it very insightful. Normally, I don't read and I don't know how many people read the forward, but I normally don't read the forward. But this time, actually, I did. Also, because you were coming on our podcast, both Manish and uh, Sanjay Bakshi have, you know, loads of praises for you. So Manish uh, mentioned your book in the same level as other legends, like, you know, poor Charlie's Almanac. Uh, Mambushin's Think Twice you know Nassim Taleb Black Swan Morgan Housel which is actually going to be a guest on your podcast as well after reading the book I realized why he said that but you know I I would like to hear from you what made you write that book?
1: So the thoughts and ideas that I've written in the sketchbook of wisdom are those ideas which have actually helped me learn about my life. The lessons uh, from some of the wisest people I have written about in the book have actually helped me through my darkest hours. Right? And they've enabled me to walk on this journey uh, even before I started suffering, Nimeshuk and especially after I Started on this uncertain journey of doing work of, on my own, right? And they have helped me through my periods of anxieties and sorrows and worry, and and when I got greedy sometimes, and when I was envious. So that's the reason I have dedicated one page per idea in this book, right? Of course, you can write reams and reams of paper on specific topic, but I'm not that, that kind of a person. I am I I, I live life in bite size pieces right Uh, one day at a time so that's the reason the idea was to write one idea per page and uh, to include the most important uh, ideas that could really uh, pass on the message to anyone who reads the book about what life is really about how the wisest people have explained it right so uh, nothing in the book as 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 you know is original right do i have referenced a lot of people i put in some of my experiences but those experiences i found words to communicate those experiences because I have, as as Newton said, I have walked on the shoulders of giants. Another reason is that it's also a book which I which I would have personally wanted to read when I was, say, 20 years old. There are so many other books which I would want to give to my, say, daughter and son as they grow up. But uh, this book, I wanted to be a compendium or, or a concise version of all the important lessons, or probably the most important lessons that I would want my daughter, my son or any kid around her to start their career, start their life with. So uh, uh, since I did not find a, a book that could have been done in an illustrative way, someone actually gave me a feedback. This is one handsome book written for uh, adults. So this is one beautiful illustrated book written for adults that you don't really find. We find illustrations uh, or illustrated books written for children. But uh, that was the idea. And the idea of illustration actually came from my son because I used to make an uh, illustration on Safal nivesh explaining investing concepts. So uh, he said, why don't you write a book which is illustrated? So the idea came from there. But yeah, it was a book that I wanted to read in my life. And that is what I've shared with others.
0: Thanks for doing for us. And thanks for doing for our next generation. Right, I wish our next generation definitely uh, benefits out of it. And uh, once they read it, I'm sure they're going to become more of an adult. What they would have otherwise uh, become. Sanjay Bakshi said very interesting thing in the forward, right? He said... In your book, you will find synthesis between Stoic philosopher and Upanishad. While reading transcript, he couldn't help but smile and think, Vishal has truly found his ikigai. You also mentioned about ikigai in chapter or page, whatever you call that, number 74, under live your life's desire. So... You know, as you mentioned, and I'm just repeating what you've written, an Ikigai happens when you do your work you love and are good at, and that work the world also needs and will pay for it. Why don't you help us understand how and when you found your Ikigai?
1: I'm still searching for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as, as I mentioned, I think life is about daily uh, really struggle and, and a daily a chance of uh, making yourself better in some way or the other, whether it's in relationships or whether it's in uh, your learning habits, whether it's in investing, for, for example. Right. So of course, the kind of work that I uh, do and that I've been doing for the past ten years is a sort of a key guy for me, right? Because this is a work which I which I love doing each day. This is the work that uh, already people also like and they are willing to pay for. Right. So, and I can do it from anywhere and I don't really, uh, I can choose the people I want to work with on this. Right. So, so uh, truly uh, that magic uh, combination, I think uh, well, that happened for me when I started Saffal Again, that was a period of uncertainty. I would not call that that was an instant moment of ikigai for me. Right. I, of course, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I loved writing every day, but whether people would pay for it, I was not so sure. Right? But when that thing happened, when people trusted me with my work and they started paying me for the kind of work that I was doing, I think it has been a slow journey. The idea of finding my Ikigaya, finding the happiness or that sweet spot, which is the win-win for me and, and for people who care to uh, who spend their time reading my stuff. I think so uh, that win-win combination has happened over a period of time, but I look for uh, ways of uh, finding more joy, greater joy in my work every day. And that keeps me going. And so that Ikigai or the search for Ikigai still is on, right? Want to make uh, each day uh, even more joyful than the previous one.
0: A lot of people talk about uh, financial independence. And you know, a lot of these things ties back to the financial independence, right? Where the financial independence basically when you don't need to work for money, right? And you can work for whatever and whoever and wherever you want to. In the US, you know, they use the word called FIRE. It's called financial exactly. independence and retire early. Somehow, you know, we, we never like the word retire, right? Why you want to retire, right? You can do, I mean, you know, you never retire, right? You can do whatever you want to do, but retire has a very different meaning. Uh, you know, we were thinking about how to to look at this. We changed that fire to fit financial independence target uh, instead of financial independence and retire early. Uh, moving away, you know, not talk about retire, but talk about financial independence itself. Let's move on. You know, in the early days of Safal Niveshak, uh, you know, you used to write a series called Stock Talk. And over time that, you know, I see that your writing are becoming more behavioral. And by the way, I mean, of course, they're great. Uh, Can you please explain the transition and uh, what are your views on writing publicly about your investments or stock ideas?
1: So one thing is clear, uh, Raj, uh, writing about stocks, talking about stocks does not fit into my ikigai. Mm-hmm. right that is not something that makes mm-hmm. me comfortable right mm-hmm. that has never made me comfortable mm-hmm. right and there has been no transition in fact I have always written about behavioral stuff so even when I started uh, uh, writing it was more about behavior I was not talking about uh, the technical terms of mental models and biases when I started out right because I was still learning very, very early in my learning career Or most of the stuff that I was writing was about how do you behave well as an investor there has not been a real transition as far as the kind of stuff that I write I used to write behavior I'm still writing behavior there were moments where actually I started a service to my newsletter I started asking people if they want me to uh, write research reports on companies right in terms of business analysis and everything and I, that that was very clear that I, I would write uh, uh, research and write on businesses that people request and not out of my choice that most people request So I used to float a form and if more people are requesting for say a business I will write about a business even if I know nothing about it I'll learn about it a bit and then I'll write about it whatever I've understood right So those are not really comprehensive reports that I used to write and call them stock talk. But, and I used to also mentioned uh, an approximate valuation and all those kinds of things. So the problem that happened over a period of time is that people started taking that as recommendations. (laughs) And this is what happens, right? When you hear about stocks, uh, I remember in my uh, initial organization as well, uh, uh, when we used to release one research report every week on a company, right? It It was either a buy or a sell or a hold, right? But on the top of the homepage, we would only name the company so that people are enticed to click and go and uh, buy the service and read the report, right? So we would only say that this week's stock is say, a- ABC, right? But uh, even if it was a sell, just because I, we were putting that name on the homepage, people thought it was a buy, right? If I had uh, say written Infosys, even for example, if Infosys was a sell, Right. Just because I mentioned today's stock idea is Infosys, right? People thought it was a buy and they would buy it, and only later realized that, okay, it was not really a buy, it was a sell recommendation. In my case, I was not giving a recommendation. I never intended to give a recommendation, but actually that turned out to be a case. People made a lot of people actually sent me uh, emails about I bought this stock based on your recommendation and stock talk. What should I do now? People actually lost money on a few stocks that actually went down the drain. So uh, that made me more uncomfortable about uh, uh, talking publicly about or re- researching stocks publicly. Uh, I have nothing against people doing that. But what I uh, personally realize that that messes up with my, with my own thinking, right? Uh, whether it's a stock which I own or whether it's a stock which I don't own, right? Especially about my portfolio stocks, I don't talk about them publicly. I don't want to. People ask me, what's your CAG or how can you teach investing and all those kind of things? I said, I don't need to prove anyone to the kind of return that I've generated. But all I can say is that this the kind of return I've generated has helped me quit my job and live a life that I want to live and do it comfortably say so and still give away 99% of my work for free, right? So that's the kind of return I've generated, right? So I don't want to talk about my, uh, my stocks publicly or write about stocks publicly because that messes uh, up uh, with my brain and my thinking. And, and I think uh, Guy Speer also wrote that in his book, Education of Value Investor and that I completely agree with that. You fall into that confirmation bias trap, right? Once you write about stocks, Right? Uh, It's very difficult for you to change your mind.
0: So let's talk about you know personal finance, which is uh, near and dear to both of us. And I you know I've seen uh, you know this tweet uh, pinned on your profile, which details the way you do your uh, personal finance planning. It's it's great. It's simple. It's common sense. Uh, You've also mentioned uh, that you know we usually trade common sense for the illusion of knowledge. Uh, so tell us how do you think so profoundly but simply, and also about your whole uh, personal uh, uh, planning.
1: Okay, so uh, uh, I think I've mentioned that tweet as well uh, about simplifying personal finances, and I think that for everyone, right? You don't need to do complex stuff to achieve financial freedom or to create wealth for yourself. Only the thing that you really need to worry about is the time horizon. If you have a long time horizon, you just need to keep things very, very simple, right? So as I, as I mentioned that, I think tweet as well. If, and, and if that is a tweet you're talking about where I own less than 15 stocks and own less than say uh, three mutual funds, right? All those kind of things. Uh, uh, one insurance policy, one, one medical insurance, one term insurance, all those kind of stuff, right? Uh, no debt. So I think uh, uh, simplicity is an underrated concept in finance, financial planning or when you're looking at finances, right? Everyone or most people would rather want to hear complex advice, right? Because they think that you cannot really achieve uh, financial freedom by going or by talking or by doing simple stuff, right? It, it, the thinking is that that everyone knows it. So like, why would I benefit from it, right? But the idea is if if you... Not everyone is actually doing simple stuff, right? People are mostly doing complex stuff. They are owning stocks and mutual funds, which is beyond their capacity. Uh, they're over-diversifying, they're holding multiple insurance policies, and they, then they start doing derivatives. When markets rise, they do all options and futures and all those kinds of things. They trade in and out of stocks. You don't need to do that, actually, right? My first question when I ask people who, who ask me, how should I start trading, right, or for, new, for new investors? My first question is, why do you want to trade? I'm trying to differentiate between investing and trading, right? Why do you want to trade in and out of stock? So the answer is to make money. The question is, why do you want to make money? So just to enjoy making money. So now if you're trying to find enjoyment through investing, I think we're at the wrong place. Right, a lot of people have tried to find enjoyment through investing, and they have been taken to the cleaners. Right, in the past, you've seen multiple cycles. Uh, people think that investing or stock markets is an easy way of making money because they have seen in recent times that people have others have made money and they've also made money. Right, but you have to see at least two or three down cycles to be able to say whether it's easy or difficult. Someone, uh, someone wise said that there are old investors and there are bold investors, but there are rarely any old bold investors. Uh, I think youngsters or people who are just starting out need to take this advice uh, very clearly that you have to do simple stuff you don't have to do complex stuff of course you do complex stuff if you are incentivized to do that if you are paid to do that you're working in an organization or an investing firm or investment firm that where you are paid to do derivatives and all those kind of thing, things or you are you are a CFO of a company who's, who's hedging all those kind of stuff but as a small retail individual investor you have to keep it very simple over a longer period of time you will get what you deserve but you know people
0: usually try and learn and not try i mean you know they usually learn after doing uh, they'll lose bunch of money and then they will realize good for youngsters that they don't have enough money they don't have large sum of money so even if they're learning it's learning over a very small sum of money so probably a better learning i would say but yeah uh, before moving forward, I want to talk about, you know, this whole uh, psychology of loss or loss aversion, which you wrote about in your book. And and you said that, you know, pain of loss is two times greater than joy of gain. Uh, we used to say, you know, and I've traded all my life that, you know, while trading, profit taking is uh, price bound and stop loss is time bound. And we have seen time and time and again of that. You mentioned the reason we over-insure, uh, uh, again, picking up from your book itself, is that, you know, insurance agent is able to demonstrate the costly losses. I just want to pick up on this insurance part here in this view. How do you see both, you know, how does one should see both life and medical insurance? Because that, that's a big part of the financial planning.
1: I've mentioned it uh, quite a number of times in terms of a simple financial plan, right? Uh, and uh, as far as the insurance part goes, two of the key insurance uh, that you should have is medical insurance, which is health insurance, which is medic claim also. And the second one is a pure life term insurance, right? Medical insurance is a must given the rising health cost and given the rising cost of hospitalizations. We recently saw during COVID times where people stay in COVID in hospitals and private hospitals would have caught them like 6 lakhs to 7 lakhs to even 10 lakhs somewhere, right? So the cost of hospitalization has increased multifold over the last few years. And that is the reason uh, and, and also because people are living the wrong kind of lifestyle. So uh, the chances of getting hospitalized, you may think that you are invincible. But as you grow old, right, you realize that chances of getting hospitalized due to an injury or an illness actually increases, right? So and also with the rising hospitalization cost. So that's the reason medical insurance is something that um, I would advise anyone or anyone who's starting his career, his career to actually take. Um, I also advise people who work on jobs and their employers provide medical insurance. I would ask them to take their own personal insurance as well because the insurance with the employer is only till you are employed with that firm. Yeah. right? In the future, if you want to do something of your own, right? And if you want to take your own medical insurance, the premium would have risen because you are higher in age now. That is one thing very important. Pure term life insurance, another thing which I talk about, and I myself have insured myself uh, uh, for a pure insurance, again, no lips, no endowments, because they are waste of money, right? Pure, but the problem again, uh, it's more about education, uh, uh, insurance companies and agents don't really teach people about the importance of pure life uh, because that doesn't earn them commissions, right? Pure life and the, and the, and the, and the buyer of insurance is also doubtful. The thinking is that, uh, okay, if I die, if I don't die, nothing will come, right? So why should I waste my money? right uh, the point is that the amount of premium that you save by putting your money in pure life is so much that if you can invest that money for say 30 years and you, you don't die right you're going to have a huge corpus anyway through your say, mutual funds or stocks or what kind of investments that you have made by saving that premium amount right uh, that you have that would have paid if you had bought an ulip or an endowment policy so look at that part right rather than uh, trying to mix investment and insurance which is endowment and ulips Keep insurance investment separate. Keep it simple. One policy or two policies of term insurance. You break that up, right? Uh, but pure term life and one healthcare policy to cover yourself and your entire family. So that's all I. That's something that I, which I advise, and I and that's something which I practice because that keeps my life simple as well. It's also a matter of education, Dad. So uh, in a country like India, right, uh, financial education has not really reached. A, forget about small towns and cities. Even in larger metros, right. Uh, I see so many friends of mine, so many people, so many peers who, um, whom I've worked with in the stock market space for many years. Right? I see so many people who, uh, despite being in the financial service industry, they are either un- underinsured. I'm not talking about taking a lot of insurance. They are either underinsured or they have all these wrong kind of policies with them. Right? So it's a matter of financial education. People need to understand that it's very important to get educated yourself in simple finance concepts and simple finance ideas rather than running after complex stuff.
0: Yeah, you know you're right. Uh, you know both of us have worked in financial industry for a very long period of time, and uh, I can say that uh, bulk of the people are actually not very financially educated within that mm-hmm. industry mm-hmm. as well. So leave leave outside financial, it's the percentage of people who are not very financially educated much larger. But within financial market also. Uh, the the percentage will be will be high. I mean, you know, the, it's kind of a shame, but but that's that's the that's the reality.
1: Uh, and I would not blame. So, as an employee, again, I would not just to, just to finish yeah, this up. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would yeah, not even blame an employee working in a company, because I believe none of the employer would, would want their employee to be financially educated, hmm. because if an employee gets financially educated and he or she understands the difference between uh, good and bad debt, right, hmm. and uh, uh, the importance of saving money. One day that employee is going to leave and start something of his own or he'll be financially free or she'll be financially free. An employer will not do that. And that's the reason I don't see initiatives by companies also to teach their employees how to be financially savvy and how to save more money. No employer talks about that. So I think uh, that is an incentive that needs to be straightened. Uh, People need to get educated in financial planning, uh, the basics of personal finance. and, And it's not difficult as i realized over the last 10 years it's not difficult to straighten out your financial plan right and you don't need a financial planner to do that <laughs> unless and you are like you are a super high net worth individual who has multiple um, uh, investments insurance for multiple businesses and companies i think uh, people can handle their personal finances on their own if yeah. they have to keep it simple
0: yeah, i mean you know there, there are many places and you know including sufal as well i mean you can just go and learn many things it's freely available all the resources and you can uh, get yourself educated about it. So it's not difficult at all. Uh, let's let's move on to what's your view on the current, you know, this whole T20 style of investing and trading, especially amongst the youngsters. And, you know, we're seeing globally, it's <laughs> been a bigger phenomenon uh, in catching up in the India as well. And not just in- in youngsters, right? Even for the matter, even uh, the seasoned investors as well. How to navigate this whole bipolar market. And then we will, after that, we'll come to the long-term investing as well.
1: I think that's a nice topic. I Robin Hood generation of investors as, as they call it, right? Yeah. So, um, and I joke this with my friends who ask me what kind of market is this? And 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 uh, I, I say that this is not a bull market. This is not a bear market. This is a know-nothing market, right? So uh, uh, people uh, without experience, uh, uh, just because uh, we have technology to help us, uh, we have uh, a low or zero uh, commission trading to help us, right? We have uh, so many people, uh, uh, teaching about how they made a multi-million dollar amount of returns from their stocks. And if you go on YouTube, you need to go on YouTube, yeah. right? Uh, ex-entrepreneurs from tech field and ex-comedians and all those kind of people are all there teaching people about trading and stock investing and uh, all those kind of stuff, right? Out of, out of the blue. And uh, technology is actually, uh, in a way, which has benefited mankind, right? In some ways, it's actually destroying the entire fabric of long-term thinking. Right, uh, long-term wealth creation. As as if I were to talk about investing, so and and as you rightly said, it's not just youngsters, even savvy investors, or people out there uh, who are who are trading, who are joining these Robinhood investors to uh, try to multiply. And they are setting up wrong wrong influences for others. And, and a lot of those people on Twitter and all those kind of places talk about. And I'm, I'm just really worried about so many people showing off their PLs at the end of every day. That this is the kind of income that I made from my trade, and this is the kind of investment which I did. This all show off. This is not going to take people anywhere. And uh, this is so bad for youngsters who are getting into the market, who are enamored by these kind of returns that people show off every day through their PLs and and trading charts and all this kind of stuff. I think this is completely madness, right? The question is, how do you play as an investor, this bipolar kind of market? I think uh, my response would be that you need to play your game, right? Rather than uh, uh, playing a game which is set by others uh, or, or uh, just to impress others or just to impress uh, uh, your following or yourself, okay, I this, this trade and this kind of money I made in such a short period of time, I think you need to understand what, why are you investing or why are you in the stock market or investing place? Are you here to speculate? Then, then I have no advice for you. Yeah. right? But if you are here for the long term, if you are looking to build wealth, create wealth for yourself and your family for the long term, then uh, I think you need to play your own game. And I think the most in- important advice is that, and there's something uh, which I learned from uh, someone, I don't recollect the name, is that to win at any game right, in the long term, you have to rise above the game. Yeah. Right? Uh, uh, if, you, if you play the game that everyone else is playing, if you're playing the game by the rules which others are setting for you, Right, Uh, uh, And if you're using the tools and techniques in a wrong way, you're going to go nowhere. It's like a treadmill, you are just running, 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 and you're thinking that you're going to reach Nirvana or reach somewhere, but you're not going to get anywhere. In fact, you'll be thrown off after some point of time, based on your risk return profile, based on your time horizon. I think you play the game that way. There's no other way. There's no other advice that I can think I can give to someone who wants to play around this market or bid his or her way through this market.
0: You know, it's also part of the cycle as well, right? Most of the people, when they start, they all start as a think that trading is easy and you can make easy money because, you know, that's what you read about and not even understanding that people who are writing those things are probably don't even have the skin in the game. They may be just bluffing progress into a long-term investor that I've gone through that. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people go through that. You know, when you start small money, as I said, you know, when, when you're young, you're small money. It's still okay you know probably your losses may not be big because you don't have much to bet on uh, and hopefully you'll progress to become a you know more evolved and a long-time investor You know, you recently spoke about long-term investing in the age of, you know, a short attention span and just picking on what we're discussing so far. And you mentioned that, you know, we have a, as a human being, we have an attention span of about eight seconds, which is probably lower than goldfish, I guess. Can you uh, talk a bit more about this whole, uh, how does one can look at the long-term investing?
1: So, yeah, I I remember uh, some statistics from the New York York Stock Exchange, which which releases a fact book, right? And I don't have new data on that, but uh, the last data which I had was... uh, Uh, from them was that in 1960, uh, an average holding period for a stock was around 60, around 100 months, right, around 100, which was almost like eight years, that's what average holding. By 1990, that came down to 26 months, which was slightly above two years. And 2010, that was six months. That was the last statistic, which I had in 2020, I am sure that's less than three months. Yeah. Right. With so, the kind of average holding with the, with the multitude of investors or new people who are actually trading in and out of stocks, right? Derivatives and all those kind of stuff. Right. It, I'm, I'm sure it must be less than three months. Right. So um, and, and, and this is stocks. Right. If you look at statistics from Indian mutual funds as well, the last thing which I saw, uh, like maybe six months or eight months back, right. majority of people don't even own mutual funds fund for more than six months. So not just people are trading in stocks, they are also trading in mutual funds, right? Ignore the large part of the market, which is trading in derivatives, right? So uh, uh, people, uh, I see a lot of people making that uh, mistake, uh, as you mentioned that, okay, money is less, saving is less, so I'm not going to lose much more, right? But the habit formation, right, happens early. And there are very few people who actually change the way they they think and they invest over a period of time. Either they'll start with trading derivative and everything, they lose out money right? They'll come out of the market. They'll probably enter the market at the wrong time and they'll come out after losing everything and they'll say, this is a casino. I'm not going to come back. And then again, in the next peak or next, next cycle peak, they will again going to come at that point of time. And again, they lose money and they'll say, this is a casino. I'm not going to come back. And probably the second time they are not going to come back. The second generation of kind of investors are people who lose money, some money, and they realize their mistake. They, they, they actually sit down to think what the kind of mistake that they made. And they actually maybe turn towards something which is much more sensible, something which is much more stress-free. Right? I'm not saying that everyone should start with value investing and everyone should do long-term uh, buy and hold and forget kind of stuff. Of course, there's no forget over even in long-term investing. You need to buy and hold and review uh, after every regular frequency, maybe six months, uh, once in a year. The idea is that the statistics and the numbers prove over the last 100 years for the U.S. markets and last 30 years for the Indian markets that the longer your time horizon, the greater is your probability of earning decent returns or at least market or slightly higher than market returns from from the from the markets from the investment that you make. We, we have an as, as you mentioned, uh, rightly, we have an attention span, uh, which is less than a goldfish of eight seconds. Again, this is an old data. Now I think it, it should have reduced <laughs> even further <laughs> with all the social media out yeah. there. right? In eight seconds, I think people can move from Instagram to Twitter to Facebook. Yeah. Right? So you have three different things and, uh, and, and they would have also made a decision of which stock to buy next <laughs> in those eight seconds. Uh, the only uh, way, or one of the most powerful ways, which I have found, and which is not an advice that I you can give to someone who is actually who has a short attention span, because that that person is not going to pay attention to your advice as well. For me personally, uh, and for anyone who is willing to listen and uh, adhere to, I think uh, cutting out noise from your life, cutting out all the unnecessary information overload that you receive day in and day out, saying no to as as Talib says, via negative, right. You need to remove everything, which is a hindrance to your growth, right? And everything that you remain with is going to help you grow. If you remove newspapers, right? If you remove uh, television channels, which tell you about businesses, news and everything, of course, it's very good to, it's very important to read about businesses and know about businesses, but you can always read them through the annual reports to company websites. You do need to read daily newspapers. You don't need to watch business channels, Uh, to understand what the business is doing right because then you're also going to be fed a lot of garbage stuff saying no to news saying no to noise right saying no to what others are saying avoiding say whatsapp groups avoiding looking at your stock prices daily i think these are ways so basically no noise if you can live a life like that i think you are not going to miss anything first thing You will have a lot of time to think carefully about what you are doing. You'll have a lot of time to understand, analyze businesses or the direction that your investment career is going to take. And you have a lot of time to do things outside investing.
0: You know, one thing I personally struggle and, you know, probably it's because of my upbringing as a, you know, as I mentioned, right, I've been a trader all my life. And, you know, when you trade for bank book, uh, you're trading day in, day out, you're making markets uh, for, for the clients as well. And you mentioned that, I right? Don't uh, look at the prices on a daily basis. But, you know, that's a habit, uh, stuff to give. And especially for people like me, I mean, you know, I invariably end up checking. I know that I'm not going to do anything, but invariably you end up checking like a couple of times in a day, you know, where the market is and, you know, how your portfolio is doing. Uh, and especially when you're, when the market is doing good. When the market is uh, negative, probably you don't look at the market on that day. And, and you know, uh, it really impacts your thinking. It's very important not to look. That I'm very clear at. But how to achieve mm-hmm. that is what I am struggling with.
1: <laughs> it's difficult. So even, for example, uh, you may not have a newspaper getting delivered to your place. Okay. You may shut off all newspaper applications. You may not watch television. But uh, you are still going there checking emails. So uh, you you have that willingness to open another window and log into your uh, stock trading or account or a portfolio tracker and go and check your the thing right, so and, and that's the reason I advise people and I do that myself to maintain your stock portfolio in an Excel sheet rather, rather than an Excel sheet which gets updated like a Google sheet. You can do that, that's 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 a worse version of an Excel sheet. But an Excel sheet is something where the price do not get updated automatically, right? It's a difficult thing to do, but it's always as I mentioned, it, it pays to try it, right? When I say that I don't look at stock price on a daily basis, uh. Uh, there are some days when I look at stock prices, when the markets, when I realize, when I come to know maybe on Twitter that the markets have fallen a lot, right, or they have risen a lot, it always uh, is enticing to go and look at a portfolio and see, okay, which are the stocks that uh, have may have corrected from your portfolio, which you can buy, right, or which stocks have really jumped up so, so that give you that momentary happiness, okay, I, I made some kind of money in the stock market, it's very difficult to give up that kind of habit once it's formed, but yeah, uh, the idea is to minimize. The idea is not to eliminate because it's very difficult to do that for the kind of brain that we have. But the idea is to minimize those uh, uh, things so that you minimize the mistakes that you make.
0: Yeah. You know, I love your uh, becoming an investing Buddha and the iron rules around
1: that. Uh, do you want mm-hmm. to talk, elaborate, especially on the, the mental models in that? In fact, that was an idea. I was, again, going through my Twitter feed and Professor Sanjay Bakshi had shared a slide from his presentation from a conference which I, which I could not attend. Uh, where he had a, a slide which, which was titled me, M-E-me. Mm-hmm. So he was talking about his own investment practice or the key rules that he follows, right? In terms of margin of safety, in terms of no leverage, right? In terms of having cash as an option, right? In terms of not doing derivatives, in terms of long-term thinking, in terms of satisfying that you are satisfied with the kind of returns which are adequate for you to make. Based on that, I created that Investing Buddha kind of a illustration just to showcase the kind of investing that I do. For myself or uh, that may work for most people again it may or it may not work but again like the the stuff that i've written in the book the sketchbook of wisdom these are the ideas that have worked for ages right mm-hmm. these are the things or lessons which have worked for ages and a lot of people have actually proven proven that right in my limited career as an investor for the past like 16 17 years uh, almost 19 years right I have practiced such kind of things uh, in terms of no leverage, in terms of margin of safety, in terms of not going outside my circle of competence, right? Almost all the time. Luckily for me, I never started from that trading mentality or never was a trader. I started from long-term thinking. Came across Buffett later, but then uh, I have always been uh, like risk so I averse. I have, I have never liked uh, putting my money into things which I have never understood, right? Uh, neither borrowing money from people right uh, uh, to trade or to do anything else it's the nature of the individual that defines the kind of career path that he or she is going to take of course uh, there are circumstances that force you maybe a job loss you have been investing your money and suddenly you lose your job and you have to cut short your long term positions that you thought that you would hold on for 20 30 years and suddenly you have to sell everything because you take care of your family so outside those circumstances which are outside your control i think uh, um, Uh, these are the kind of models which have really helped me. For example, in 2008 and 2010, I almost sold off all my stocks. 2008, January and 2007, December, at the peak of the stock market and before the crash, I almost sold all my stocks. Was I insightful? No. Was I lucky? Completely, yes. Because I had that idea of quitting my job and paying my housing loan. And also because of the promise that I had made to my wife that within five years, I'm going to pay off this housing loan and probably quit the job and live our own life, right? So pay off my housing loan, I sold almost all my stocks and started building that portfolio again in 2009. So I've been lucky on those aspects a lot of times, but then uh, in in general times, right? When uh, I would not really, not those uh, uh, times which actually define your career, Right. Uh, in normal times, I have uh, used these mental models of margin of safety, circle of competence, staying invested for the long term, Right. looking at uh, businesses which are good capital allocators, not looking at stock prices while making investment decisions, Right. not uh, being overconfident. Right. So I have not been a confident person ever in my life. The only thing, probably a uh, thing of confidence which I have done was to quit my job and start Safar Niveshak. Apart from that, I have been very risk-averse. I have I've been very quiet. Laid back kind of a person, a lazy kind of a person, and that has helped me in investing. Being lazy and laid back has helped me generate adequate returns from the stock market over the last nineteen years.
0: So Vishal, on uh, you know picking up on this uh, long-term investing, one thing uh, I have I have struggled myself, and I have seen people you know how to navigate all these cycles, right? I mean, let let me take an example. Let's take Indian small and mid-cap stocks, which went through gutter, you know, uh, post like 18, and you know for probably about three years they just went down drastically and now they're doing well again while talking about and thinking through the whole long-term investing how should one navigate all that
1: i think for me uh, the best way uh, that i have navigated through the cycles of the past 19 years and uh, they be like multiple and like we've seen two or three deep cycles deep down cycles right and then sharp up moves right is to stay invested right uh uh, uh of course, I'm not really talking here about uh, investing in cyclical stocks or uh, industry specific uh, uh, ideas where you have to really time the cycle well to make money. But uh, the kind of businesses uh, which uh, are sustainable over long periods of time, over multi decades, right? Uh, the kind of businesses where capital allocation um, has been good throughout and it does not really depend on a global industry, right? Those kind of businesses, if you're invested over there, I think uh, the idea of navigating cycles is to stay invested. Of course, uh, you have to be cautious when uh, you hear a lot of noise on the streets or you you see those kind of near peaks kind of situations where everyone is talking about stocks, right? Everyone is asking about stock advice and there are a lot of IPOs coming in uh, uh, just to give an indication of period like now. Today, Uh, uh, you have to be very cautious in such kind of situations. What I have done in the past has to incrementally reduce my, uh, or reduce my incremental investment into stock markets. Uh, rather than pulling out money or cashing in uh, into the kind of business that I've already owned, I have reduced incremental investment in stock markets, uh, maybe held on to cash in the past uh, to wait for the opportunities that I am looking at, but not available at uh, appropriate valuations. So that is one way that I have dealt with uh, cycles, broader cycles in the past. Of course, no one can say that when is the cycle going to uh, turn uh, up or turn down, Right. We have to be uh, participative in the long journey, if you really want to compound a wealth over a long period of time. And again, to repeat, this is not for people who are investing in cyclical industries, but more uh, long-term sustainable businesses. So uh, the navigating cycles, I think the best way is to participate in those cycles. Be cautious uh, when you realize that this is going too much over the top and be prepared with cash when you think that this is uh, or start deploying cash, uh, more cash when you think that uh, this is uh, like all gone for the cleaners and, and now people are talking negative. Of course, you can still uh, uh, go even further down It investing is like catching falling knives, right? In a, in a beer market, in a bad market, yeah. you're going to get hurt. You invest after the stock is down, down 50% and probably it may go down another 50%. So, uh, uh, that may and that will happen, right? But if you own businesses for the long term, right? Uh, as Buffett and Munger uh, tell us so much time, which, which is very difficult to say and very difficult, very easy to say and difficult to practice that you need to think like business owners. Right. Imagine if you're a business owner uh, and you are here for the long term, Right. you're not worried about cycles, you will be taking care of your house, even in a good time and even in bad time, you're trying to create a business as a business owner that really has the capacity to suffer bad times. Right? If you're investing in businesses which have the capacity to suffer bad times and also have a long runway of growth. Right? Just put your faith and money in those businesses and ride them. Right, Rather than worrying about when it's going to rise and fall and worried about market volatility. Right, But be cautious when everyone is talking. That's a thumb rule about stocks and everyone is making money a lot in stocks. And you see, you are also making money very easily in stocks. That's the time to be cautious. Well, so right. Peter Lynch has that cocktail party theory. I'm not going to repeat it here, but Peter Lynch's cocktail party theory is a great uh, way of uh, navigating cycles. You realize that when everyone is, everyone who was seeking your advice in the past is now offering you their advice of which stocks to buy. <laughs> that is the peak. That is the top. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they you
1: don't say- move out of the stock markets, but you be very cautious at yeah, that point.
0: Yeah. Uh, they used to say, right, when Panwala now, I don't know, because of COVID, people may not be visiting the Panwala, but the Pan when the Panwala starts giving you advice about stocks, that's the time you know, that you're <laughs> really near to the peak. So, please. The panwala would
1: be busy uh, applying to IPOs because <laughs> he has the power of technology. He understands how to make payments online, yeah. so it's easier for them to apply <laughs> to IPOs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you've you've interviewed uh,
0: many stalwarts uh, from both Indian and the global investing ecosystem. Can you pick
1: any of your top favorite talks and takeaways uh, that it stayed with you? Difficult to pick up top three talks or of any talks because uh, yeah, everything, everyone who's who's I've got a chance to interview, they have have their story to tell, right? So no story is good or bad compared to others. But yeah, uh, multiple lessons which I've learned and I think uh, the common themes which have come out is that uh, one is as far as investing is concerned, there is no one way to build wealth, right? Uh, People have done cyclicals, people have uh, invested in uh, simple core long-term sustainable businesses, Uh, people have uh, tried sometimes to try to mix some kind of trading with some kind of long-term investing, Right. So, uh, the, which, is, which is a rare thing to do in, and also find success. Right. But uh, this is one thing which I've learned uh, across all these interviews which I've done with uh, investors, successful people in the last few years that there's no one way to build wealth. Uh, uh, but yes, uh, almost everyone has uh, proved. And that is something which I've learned is that the chance of a positive outcome increases the longer is your horizon. Almost everyone who, whom I've got a chance to talk to, this is one underlying thing that the longer you invest, in good quality businesses, the, the greater is the probability that you're going to create wealth for yourself and your or your shareholders or your clients and all those kinds of things. Uh, the second list lesson which has come out very clear is that you have to be a lifelong student of businesses. Right, if you have to be an investor, right, rather than looking at stock prices, right, rather than indulging in derivatives, you have to be a student of businesses, you have to learn how, how businesses are run, you need to understand what, what makes them take Right, you need to understand. You need to be able to differentiate between good capital allocators and others. Right, most of most of the people out there who are running business out there, I would say ninety nine percent. If you if you if you remove the ninety nine percent who have not really allocated capital well over multiple cycles, you remain with those top one percent or two percent of capital allocators whom you need to bet your money on from a long period of time. And you need to also understand the risks involved. These are important uh, things that almost every investor who's done well for in the long term has done himself and his or her clients and the third thing is that uh, who achieve some kind of success in long term investing over 20 30 years right they are great learning machines they are humble and that's a lesson for uh, everyone who's starting new because if you think or the day you think that you arrived as an investor i think that's the start of your downfall Right, we never arrive anywhere it's, uh, least of it in investing, right? Every day is a new uh, reason to learn. Every day is a new thing, right? Businesses change, dynamics change. The environment changes, behavior changes. And investing is all about behavior, right? So uh, you have to be a learning machine. So all these guys actually show how they have been learning machines and how they've benefited from that learning to imp- how they've implemented that learning and have actually so good at what they are doing. So yeah, these are the few lessons uh, that I've learned from these people.
0: You know, there is no, uh, you know, because you've mentioned, right, the, the investing is a lot about behavior and because it is a lot about behavior, there is no one way about investing, but there is your That's, own way of investing. You have to understand yeah. yourself first. And I think you you write about that in your book as well, that you have to understand yourself first so that you can learn about, you know, your own way of style of investing where you are comfortable with. And that is the That's way. And don't it. start looking at, you know, what the, oh, this guy is doing. that. you start copying people. You have different styles of investing. You will make a mess of what you're doing. What suits you?
1: Copying copying people. So uh, you talked about copying people. I think uh, that is also a good strategy for if you understand what you're copying and how you're pasting it. Yes. You have to apply your own brain, right? I'm going to talk to Monish Pabrai. Yeah. Right? And he has been vocal about, publicly vocal about how he's built his career, largely uh, cloning uh, Buffett yeah. and uh, his trades and all those kind of things. But seen the kind of smart things as Kabatai has done, the kind of wisdom that he's accumulated, he's been a learning machine. right? Yeah. And he's talked about all those learning and wisdom and he's shared them with people. right? Yeah. So cloning is fine. Copying is fine. But when you are copying, you also need to apply your brains that you're pasting it fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. based on your own risk return profile rather than simply saying, okay, this this person or this respected or big investor has bought this stock. So let me go and buy. He cannot be wrong. Of course, people can be wrong. Even the successful ones can be wrong. You want to participate in their mistakes or not that you need to decide, right? So you need to apply your brains as well.
0: Pabrai doesn't talk that the, you know, he just says that he copies Buffett, right? He doesn't say that I copy five people, right? You can't mix up five people and make
1: a cocktail. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> that, can't is make true. A that is true. That is true. Any particular person who has profoundly impacted your investing style? Oh, yeah. I've been too vocal about it. I think uh it's obvious it's Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger right Mm so uh, Buffett about how to think about businesses and Charlie Munger about how to think so I would uh, probably rate Charlie Munger slightly higher than Warren Buffett in terms of uh, shaping up my thinking over the past many years more than a decade ever since I started learning about them though I started with Warren Buffett first because he's more out there in the media and out there in terms of publications and sharing his learnings Charlie Munger has taken that learning to a different level altogether in terms of how do you lead a good life how do you learn to think well generally right not just in investing which buffett has also talked about finding your ikigai working on things that you desire right uh, so that you wake up every day and you tap dance to work these are all lessons from warren buffett teaching people about money and planting that tree right uh, is lesson from warren buffett right uh, not doing things or doing uh, or not doing things or avoiding things that can kill you right uh, staying in a circle of competence right not venturing out of it is a lesson from uh, charlie munger so i think uh, there could be no one else who than these two people who for personally for me who've actually defined the kind of investing and thinking that I am able to do today compared to say 15 years back
0: my favorite is uh, you know tell me where I will die and I will never go there so that's uh, that's a good one
1: so that's one of the most prominent mental model that I use in my life as well inversion that is the reason I said avoid news avoid IPOs avoid businesses that can kill you right inversion is a great tool our mind does not allow us think in terms of inversion yeah right but i think that's one of the most brilliant tools or brilliant ways of thinking right by knowing what can kill you
0: yes yeah no, that's a great tool. I agree, and I've been uh, trying to use okay. that off late. Now I really find that it really clears up your mind once you start thinking that way. That's right. You you've been an investment analyst, and you know you're now you are an educator now. Which one uh, you relate with more? Oh,
1: hands down, the educator. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I am driven by this quote again from Charlie Munger that the best thing a human being can do is to is to help another human being. No more. Right. Uh, Nothing else uh, drives me more when I wake up in the morning to come to my computer and write stuff or uh, write something that really helps one human being become better at what he or she is thinking that day. Right. Though I am nervous talking publicly, but I don't want to miss out an opportunity uh, to uh, talk to youngsters or talk to people and tell them what they should not be doing <laughs> as far as investing or their life is concerned yeah. uh, the kind of mistakes that i have made or the kind of mistakes that i have learned that others have made they should not be doing that and
0: how has meditation impacted you personally and as an investor you mentioned about meditation on our mortality as well it's a different way of thinking through that but can you talk about meditation in particular
1: uh, so i have not been a regular at meditation but over the past few years i have practiced it i would say if i were to just break it down to weekly time i would practice a meditation three or four days a week not every day Meditation for me means, in simple terms, is just uh, to observe my thinking by closing my eyes, right? Uh, And just let things pass through. Whatever passes through, passes through, right? Uh, yeah. uh, over a period of time, I've tried to calm that mind, calm that radio, that the chatter that's go, that goes inside my mind, right? It's it's very difficult. And that's the reason uh, uh, most people are not able to sustain that meditation because it's very difficult to calm your mind. But as far as uh, the decision-making or investing is concerned, uh, this is what I think that meditation has helped me. It has helped me uh, become, I think, more equanimous. And we uh, at Peace, whatever the markets are, Uh, handing me with right or whatever what is happening, whatever is happening around me as far as investing is concerned, but as far as decision making is concerned, once you've made a decision, uh, uh, right from starting say, as I mentioned, I decided to start and I uh, started writing articles and just send them uh, publish on my website, it it was my idea of sending my creation into the universe, Mm. right, without bothering about whether someone is going to catch it, someone is going to read it or not, of course, people started reading it. But if you have done your work, ignore the outcome. You just forget about the outcome because that's not in your control, right? So equanimity is something uh, uh, that that meditation has really helped me with to be much more calm amidst a turmoil. And that's the reason 2000, in terms of recency, 2020 did not cause even an inch of stress uh, when the markets were all shaking and falling down, right? I would not say 2008 because I was too, too young that part of time. I've not really started meditating. But yeah, uh, situations like these uh, don't really bother me at all right? And also, uh, it helps you deal. Meditation helps you deal with reality, I think. And it and, and this is a benefit that happens over a period of time, right? You cannot really start meditating and and, de- and the next day you think I'm equanimous and I can handle reality and I can face the world and I'm not going to get angry or sad or every, everything, right? You still get sad, you still get angry, you still uh, get perturbed, right? So you get sad or angry much lesser than compared to what you were 10 years back. So it's an evolving journey again. This is also a journey, right? Of self-improvement of introspection. It takes time but I think uh, that's a journey in the right direction so i would say meditation is the best way of improving yourself 1% percenting.
0: you know as uh, you are mentioning about you know getting angry side and you know the, the buddhist way of meditation doesn't tell you that uh, you, you should not fight against those uh, emotions let the emotion come and then you will understand that emotion will come and subside that's the whole part that's of right. meditation right that's what you're trying to achieve uh, not react to the emotions
1: your mind waves off right even when you are meditating or or you are, after, you are living your life right uh, in those uh, moments when there's turmoil, your mind just just moves yeah. on, and you uh, get into um, uh, you get involved in that turmoil, right? But then yeah. you suddenly remember, okay, this is not something that I should be thinking. This is not yeah. something I need to get back. I need to get back. I need to get back, right? Yeah. And move back, right? So uh, I was reading Krishnamurti, and this is something Krishnamurti I've covered in my book as well, right? In about in terms of how yeah. to meditate, he says no one can teach you how to meditate, right? You you have to learn it on your own. You have to sit quietly. You have to let your thoughts pass through. Once you've tried to do that for some time, right? Then you look at the world in the same way. So you are not meditating only after a certain point of time, only when you are sitting down and closing your eyes and breathing. After certain some point of time, even when you're looking at a tree or you're looking at a person or you, even you're looking at a stock price chart, that becomes meditation because you're focused on then one particular thing. You're not focused on where things are going to go or where they have come from right? And you're trying to analyze each and every situation, you are just there looking at that thing at that moment. That is the real benefit of meditation when it allows you or it leads you to live your life in that moment. There's no other benefit of meditation. Of course, by breathing techniques, you can help your circular system, right? You can help your immunity and all those kinds of things. That is what people aim for when they started meditation, or you become much more calmer. But I think the idea of meditation is to make you meditative, each and every second of your waking life.
0: Yeah, true. Very well said. Since our show is called uh, Breaking Investment Stereotypes, any investment stereotypes or biases, and I'm sure you have many of them
1: uh, you would like to break? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think uh, not just specific to investing, but yeah, since you talk about investing, I think uh, everyone talks about power of compounding. Yeah. Right, people talk about compounding wealth over a long period of time and saving, uh, uh, being frugal and saving all that kind of thing. Right, compounding wealth is not the uh, be all and end all of investing. That's I think a stereotype that I want to break. Right. Uh, i'm not saying that you don't be frugal you don't save money and you don't want to comp- you don't you should not be compounding of course you should be doing that whereas as far as investing is concerned compounding your money and creating wealth for yourself is not the end of it right it's important to appreciate the learning that happens along the way much more uh, important than that is to understand how much is enough yeah. right if we all want to create huge wealth for ourselves right problem i think uh, daniel Kahneman talked about that that we cannot imagine ourselves in the future if i were to ask you to imagine yourself at 30 years down the line you are not going to do that yeah. And that is the reason we don't take long-term decisions, right? Because we are not able to imagine ourselves 30 years down the lane, that's line. That's the reason we are not able to think how our investments can help us become what we want to become 30 years down the line. So uh, uh, that is one aspect. But the important aspect that I want to talk about, as I mentioned, is that I would advise people not to become full-time investors unless until you actually really want to become a full-time investor, do nothing and manage money, manage some of your money, or you have a lot of money, propriety money that you need to manage. I would advise people that there are much bigger charms to life than investing and compounding your wealth, right? Of course, you need to take care of your future as well. Build your finances. You have your ammunition to take care of your health and everything in the future, your family. Look at investing as just a byproduct of your learning journey. You're learning about businesses. You're learning about human behavior. And also understand that there is a place where you need to stop, right? Uh, I'm not saying stop working at all or stop growing your money. That is going to happen automatically. But you have to say how much is enough for you, right? Since we don't have a finish line, we keep on running, 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 right? We have, we want to earn a 25% CAGR, a 30% CAGR. We want to copy, copy Warren Buffett and, and we want to copy that 20-year-old guy who, who became a at 30 30-year-old. That is not investing. It's a learning journey. It's a journey of becoming a better person. Right, by empathizing with managers, for example, by uh, uh, not being arrogant, by getting over all your, like, for example, envy, right? uh, 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 by understanding that we are all envious all the time right but that is a sin that really does not give us enjoyment as charlie munger says investing teaches you lot more than compounding so we need to focus on the bigger aspects of life right buffett says that i am a bigger a better investor because i am a better businessman i am a better businessman because i am a better investor i would say i am a better human being that because i have i have been a better investor over a period of time because being an in investing uh, uh, learning from the likes of buffett munger and so many other people have helped me become better at at being a human being right i would rather f- uh, the lead people or youngsters to focus on the self-improvement that takes place rather than only compounding wealth. So that's one stereotype, if you were to call it, that I want to break.
0: Our relationship with money is very weird because we don't know how much is enough. We accumulate a lot. And when you accumulate a lot, you know, in that's the end, right. either you will try and donate 90%, 95% to it, or you will leave for your ch- children. Uh, and I read a beautiful line in which I tell many
1: people that the amount of bank balance you have when you die is the amount of extra work you've done? It's a sad thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a large back balance, it's a sad thing when you yeah. die, right? It's a sad yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. Of course, you leave some money for your kids or your family to take care of. That's one part of it. Yeah. But it's if it's more than their needs, I think it's a sad thing. That marshmallow thing I have written about that in my book as well. Right. Uh, yeah. People talk about uh, that marshmallow experiment and and uh, delayed gratification. Right. So uh, you you need to delay gratification, but not all of it. Don't leave all your money to compound in the future. Use that money to enjoy in the present. Take your kids to a, a park or a Disneyland or a or a foreign trip or somewhere where you will have to spend some money and they will enjoy the experiences. I'm not saying buy them stuff. Let them enjoy the experiences in their growing up years. Spend some money over there if you have that money. I think those things are so important for us to understand. So if you have 10 marshmallows and this is how I conclude my chapter on that thing as well. If you have 10 marshmallows, you save five or six for the future, but eat those four now right away. Enjoy those four right away. Yeah, that's important.
0: You know, we've seen uh, uh, mostly men in the world of investing, right? We both have spent a decent amount of time in that uh, and at least see them talking about it. you're going to have, you know, saw so that you're going to have Radhika Gupta on your podcast. She's very vocal about it and rightly so. I and mean,
1: this is one subject very uh, near and dear to me.
0: What's your thought on that?
1: <laughs> it's ironic that two men are talking about why there are not more women in uh, investing. But I, I I don't have any clear answer for it. Uh, 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 I'm sure Radhika is going to give uh, better insights on this. But yeah. I sincerely hope that we see more women investing or handling their finances, whether at home and home or work. Right? I, I'm sure I'm pretty sure that the women are better at managing money, uh, though uh, they have not proven it or nobody probably. Uh, it's the conditioning of its environment over the past many many decades or years or probably centuries as well, where where the man in the house has actually taken the lead and the woman has probably taken a back seat, or has been forced to take a backseat as far as money management is concerned. So I, I think I was reading this article uh, by Jason Zweig uh, on uh, Wall Street Journal, and he wrote that in 2009, just after the crash, is that all those people who thought themselves as masters of the universe, right? And there were the men who actually caused the financial crisis. He also mentioned that uh, women would be better investors and would have better managers of money. One thing is that they are not willing to take a risk, overdue risks, and they are not really overly arrogant or or overconfident as far as things is concerned or decision-making is concerned. They're much more like calm down, toned down compared to men who, who often behave rashly, right? So they would be better at handling money. So I hope, so I have no clear answer why there are not many women in investing or finance, but I sincerely hope that uh, more women take up uh, finance as careers uh, uh, not just careers even are much more forthcoming much more open to manage money at home as well and I, I would uh, and this is an advice uh, not just for women also for men someone I think uh, so many times we've heard that if you educate a woman you educate the entire society forget about educating men in financial matters If if every man in the household if he understands what it is to manage finances and if the woman does not understand I think it's the responsibility of the man to teach the woman about taking control of the financial uh, part of it, part control, uh, and I'm not saying giving up control. I'm saying 50-50. You have it's like par- you have to run together. You have to take care of the family money together, right? So, and it's ironic where most of the uh, men would save a lot of money so that their dependents are not worried about money when they die, right? And the person who are going to benefit from that money do not have any idea about idea. what they need to do about the money. If the woman is uh, knowledgeable about money and finances, she should tease the man. If the man is knowledgeable about money and finances, he should please the woman. So we have to work together. No ways. And I hope so that they will come.
0: You know, it's an irony that, uh, you know, you spoke about Wall Street, right? And, and you mentioned about that, in that that you said that in 2009, it took Wall Street about 13 years. Um, uh, and in 2021, you know, there was the first time that, And a big Wall Street firm like Citibank has got a woman as the uh, CEO. So a change, but it took longer. Uh, Hopefully a good change. And, you know, probably uh, we'll see many more at, at that level taking charge of such a large organization.
1: It's also a matter of how the woman is raised or the girl is raised in the family. I would find myself as a culprit as well, right? Over here, I have a daughter and a son, right? Yeah. So when you talk to a girl, right? Or when you uh, 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 want your girl to do something, right? You, you would always ask her to be very careful, right? right? Or should I help you? And you'll, yeah. you'll offer your help and all those kind of yeah. things because we think that they're fragile. Yeah. Right? Compared to guy who says, yeah, Bindas, go out and yeah. do this and yeah, that you can do it and you can <laughs> do all those kind of things. So, so we are actually uh, passing on the wrong kind of message that a girl is a fragile person and a boy is not. Right? Yeah. It could be the other way around. We need to balance out and we need to equate them together from the very early years of their upbringing. If we really want those women or the girl in your house or women in your house to actually go and take take charge. And lead the business world or lead the finance world or take care of their money better in the future. So it all starts from the house. You cannot really blame that women have to take responsibilities in managing their household when they grow old or when they have kids. It all starts how we grow our daughters, I think.
0: Yeah, that is right, where the change right. needs to take place Yeah, change we, we all are cul- culprit of that You seem to have read tons of books uh, very clearly and you know I counted at least 92 <coughs> books mentioned in reference uh, in in your book the the sketchbook of Wisdom. you also wrote in your book that you know read not for information but to reflect, ask questions discuss uh, most of us including myself you know we read for information more so that you know we can sound uh, smarter in the next party you see it very differently. Mm-hmm. So, what's your book reading style? What's your journaling style?
1: Uh, what books are you reading currently, or any recommendations you want to throw up? Two thousand nineteen and twenty, I two thousand nineteen, I didn't buy a single book. Okay. Right, no single book, no new book for me. Two thousand twenty as well. Uh, despite the fact that we were in a lockdown and uh, there was so much more time to read, I I would have bought maybe a couple of books or three books, right, or maybe two or three I would have been gifted by friends and everything. So over a period of time, I've realized that. Uh, or major incremental uh, uh, knowledge of wisdom that you received by reading new books right so uh, i have gone back to reading uh, or, or rereading those old books the classics uh, as far as investing human behavior wisdom is concerned krishna or ben graham or charlie Munger or lessons from warren buffett howard Marks, right uh, the bhagavad gita so all those kind of books uh, are something which i have been rereading for the past two to three years and they have been immensely Beneficial. That was, and th- they were also one of the reasons when I why I wrote the sketchbook of wisdom because um, that was a way a funnel for me to uh, transform or transform the idea in my words and actually share with the world in a much more simpler manner, a concise version of what I have been reading and learning from these super texts. As far as new books are concerned, uh, so recently I have been reading uh, this book called Noise by Daniel Kahneman. It's a new book which recently came out, just started that. So no major lesson, which I could share as of now. So noise is something which I started liking that book again. I got a recommendation from my uh, conversation with Vinod Sethi recently. He talked about yoga vashishth. So yoga vashisht is actually uh, notes of the education that vashisht gave to Lord Rama. So we've all heard about the message or the training or the lessons that the God has given to the world. Now here is a message which was given to, to Lord, Lord Rama himself, right? So there could be n- nothing better than that. So that's also a book that is something which I have started liking uh, uh, as I'm reading. Um, it, it's a dense book. It's not an easy read, but yeah, uh, uh, that's a reason you have to read just one page per day. So that's something which I'm doing. And uh, I recently got gifted uh, this book, uh, richer, wiser, happier by William Green. So that's something which is something which I highly recommend. It's a, it's a wonderful book, which profiles a lot of super achievers as far as investing is concerned, very wise investors. And uh, what they have done in their lives, it's not just about investing, about the characters, about how they've grown up, how how they practice investing, the long term thinking that they do the simplicity with which they invest. So they have, William uh, Green actually done a great job in terms of profiling these investors and bringing their most important lessons to us. And, and most of these investors that not many people would have heard of, right, but uh, wonderful lessons. So, yeah, these are the three books which I'm reading as of now. But yeah, more of rereading reading than new reading Yeah, for me. Yeah,
0: you know, all our uh, bookshelves are full of books we have never read. You know, we've been buying That's something. The... <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. it.
1: That's, it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It's it.
0: You know, so we are coming to the end of our conversation and this is something, you know, we ask uh, all our guests. Uh, what will be your advice to your 20-year-old Vishal, you know, who's just starting his own um, investment journey <laughs> or even, you know, starting his career itself? and
1: also one advice to a young parent. So a 20-year-old Vishal who's surrounded by Bitcoins and cryptocurrencies and blockchain and uh, uh, options, is not going to listen to the 40-year-old Vishal for sure, <laughs> because the 40-year-old will talk about long-term investing and saying I don't understand this, which means you should not be also doing all those <laughs> kind of stuff, right? So, uh, but yeah, I, I I will still try. I, will, I would still uh, probably advise uh, uh, Vishal, for example, if I were to talk about my daughter Kavya, she's 17, so assuming that she's 20, right? I would I would advise her to make small again incremental daily changes in her life. Right, that is one thing, but also to take big leaps when the opportunities come. So uh, uh, life is not just about one percent; it's sometimes also about fifty percent. That you have to take a fifty percent leap, right? A leap of faith, where you think it's a win-win for you and the society at large. I would not say just uh, 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 bet everything on a, a, a reckless uh, adventure, but I would say that if it's a win-win uh, for you and the society at large, you take those le- leaps, like like I, very much like uh, Talib's barbell strategy. You do. Something which is very safe at one end, and you do something which is uh, a, a leap, which is slightly risky at the other end, and you in the middle you do nothing, mm. right? So uh, uh, that kind of an approach I would advise to my daughter. Right? I would also uh, probably ask them to stay true to what they really believe in, right, rather than uh, living by someone else's scorecard, right? So this is one lesson. This is one of the most critical lessons which I have learned from Buffett and and from all the uh, uh, people whom I have cared to listen, who people uh, who have uh, aged well, who have been very wise that it's very important to um, listen to others but it's very important to listen to your inner scorecard and see what it is telling you right nothing else in life matters nothing else matters except what you yourself is telling you right so be truthful and listen to your inner scorecard right uh, um, and uh, change for the better daily right in in small steps but also leap when you have the opportunity and i think that should take care of you by the time you reach 40. So uh, I think that should, that should be an advice that I, I would want and to, if the other person parent, care to listen.
0: <laughs> for, for a young parent, you know, uh, specifically asked by one of my <laughs> colleague actually,
1: so oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an on-the-job training. So I would uh, not be. Uh, I, uh, it's not something which I, I've I've just been to parenting for the past seventeen years, uh-huh. right? But uh, one advice from or one lesson which I've learned is that uh, your child is not going to listen to what you say. <laughs> She's only going to see what you are do doing, yeah. right? So uh, it's important for us parents to act our part well rather than just saying do this, do that. It's it's for us to show them how we act. So that they get inspired uh, and they see what is right and what is wrong. So I think uh, doing the right things to teach your kids is is better than saying the right things to teach your kids. So that is one lesson which I am trying to practice. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of results it's going to give, but I think that sounds good. Yeah. I think that 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 works better. That works better.
0: Yeah. You know, since you mentioned about crypto, I'm very tempted to ask you this now. Since I said you know that was the last question probably, this is the last question now. Uh, and you talked about nasim taleb as well about barbell strategy do risky and do the safe on the other side so where does what's your thought on where does crypto stand
1: for you <laughs> uh, i think too hard a basket as wappet yeah. would say in fact my son my 10 year old son is uh, uh, has started watching a few videos on to understand blockchains right mm-hmm. too young for him so he's starting those kids videos and sitting with him but my understanding is uh, probably lesser than what he understands as far as blockchain is concerned uh, but I think that's too hard for me as, as at this point of time, I would rather, uh, I would probably spend some time on that later, but not now, not now. So, you
0: know, this uh, Gary Gensler, who was the SEC uh, chairman now, he, uh, he has uh, taught a course at MIT, which is there in open uh, uh, about blockchain
1: in general. So uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, so you can look. I think that. Patrick, Patrick, yeah, Patrick Shaughnessy, uh, I think Patrick invest like the best. Is... They also, they also have a couple of podcasts too, which explain yeah, blockchains yeah. and bitcoins very well. They have... So I, I've, I've, I, yeah, I've been through half of them, but yeah, it's still over the top for me.
0: So yeah, yeah he's got good guys like Vitalik. Uh, you know, even Tim Ferriss got Vitalik, who's the originator for Ethereum. Of course, Balaji mm-hmm. Srinivasan, is the cheerleader for the whole crypto thing. But it's very fascinating, you know. People like us find it very difficult to understand this, but um, you know, I I always believe that you know, if so many so many smart people in the world are are uh, involved in this and looking at it, it is at least worthwhile your time
1: to even look at at least look at it. Don't don't chew it away no i am sure i think uh, uh, it's very difficult to change your mind right and uh, with the kind of conditioning that we have had over the past 20 25 years that long term investing value investing or stocks and bonds are the two kind of investments that your real estate at best right for us uh, i think this is typical of any new asset class or any new thing that we look at we first the, we first start with denial yeah. Right. This is not going to work, this is yeah. for the youngsters, or this is speculated and all those kind of things. They may be, and I'm sure uh, in cryptocurrency, especially, there's a lot of speculation that has happened, mm-hmm. the kind of uh, uh, TikTok videos and the yeah. advisor that you see on, uh, on Twitter, right? people making millions overnight and then losing everything, right in a Bitcoin crash, uh, it's a definitely a dangerous game to play, but with education, with right kind of understanding the underlying technology, which is blockchain. I'm sure it is uh, quite a, a fascinating world out there. And a lot, of, a lot to learn for us to change our minds and look at those things with a new, new pair of specs, probably a new way of looking at the world. So yeah. mental models, uh, that's another mental model, right? How do you, how do you look at new things? Uh, how do you change your mind with changing facts, I think?
0: Yeah, so, yeah. you know, my only problem with that is, you know, this, this, this blockchain is meant for, uh, and they call it like a trustless society. And I believe that's that true. without trust, there is no society. So I'm not able to comprehend both of them together. You know, how can you <laughs> have something for a trustless society because when they, you'll not have a society itself. So anyway, that's how do you trust
1: the fiat currency as well? The yeah. question is, how do you trust fiat yeah. as well, right? That is people that is are true. printing money like crazy, and you have bubbles, which is asset bubbles, right? So I how do you, how do you trust them? But yeah, because they are regulated by the government, you trust them more. In the future, if there are more regulations, which favor blockchains people are going to trust them more as well right so yeah. uh, it's always important for us to uh, evolve and learn I think that's the only way there's no other option there's no other option
0: yeah or no, you simply
1: Michelle. say okay I don't want to learn anything and I just want to focus yeah. on uh, stocks and everything that's perfectly fine that's perfectly fine as well
0: yeah now Vishal I think it's been very very uh, you know great conversation I think this is the longest uh, podcast we have recorded so far uh, <laughs> so that speaks about it that how you know interesting this has been uh, thank you so much thanks for being an educator uh, the, you know you've done incredible amount of work once again congratulations on 10 years and uh, you know cheers to many more decades of safal niveshak thank you so much
1: thank you so much ran thank you so much for the opportunity thank you so much
0: thank you